We'll be in Mark chapter 14 this morning. Mark chapter 14. We're continuing our sermon series leading us up to Easter, the events leading up to uh, the resurrection of Christ. And today we're going to spend our time in the garden. Uh, my wife says we should go visit the botanical gardens. No, but we're going to go visit the Garden of Gethsemane this morning. Um, you know, it's funny, it has nothing to do with the sermon, uh, but uh, we had in Indiana where we used to live, there was a um, some kind of garden pathway thing that you could go walk through and, and look at the pretty flowers and stuff. We never one time went. Did you go? I did not know that. Uh, azaleas, right? Azalea, some kind of azalea garden. And everybody's like, oh, it's so neat, you should go. But I don't, you know, why? Uh, Google Images. Google Images will show you the same thing. Have a lot less energy. A uh, Christian guy named Bill saw an ad online for a Christian horse. So he went to check it out. The horse's owner said, uh, it's easy to ride him. Just say praise the Lord to make him go and amen to make him stop. Bill got on the horse and said, praise the Lord. And sure enough, the horse started to walk. Praise the Lord, he said again. And the horse began to trot. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, he yelled. And the horse broke into a gallop. Bill was enjoying his ride so much that he almost didn't notice the cliff he and the horse we're about to go over. Bill shouted, Amen! And the top of his lungs and the horse stopped right at the edge of the cliff. Relieved, Bill said, Whew, praise the Lord. <laughs> Mark chapter 14 today, looking here at the Garden of Gethsemane. Let's start reading in verse 26. The Bible says, <laughs> Sorry, I just got it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> so many horse stories running through my head right now that all of them painful verse 26 the bible says and when they had sung in him remember this is right after the supper in the upper room they went out into the mount of olives and jesus saith unto them all ye shall be offended because of me this night for it is written i will smite the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered but after that i am risen i will go before you into galilee but Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. And Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee that this day, even in this night, before the cock crowed uh, twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. But he spake the more vehemently, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he saith to his disciples, Sit ye here while I, while I shall pray. And we'll look at the rest here in just a moment. But before we do, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for letting us come this morning. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the event that we are about to celebrate, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that as we look at these events that take place here in the garden, uh, leading up to the uh, arrest of Jesus, Lord, I pray that today you would encourage us. I believe there is so much encouraging in this passage. So, Lord, I pray you would encourage us. Lord, I also pray that you would challenge us uh, through your word today. Help me to present this passage clearly and correctly, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to look at three things 
here kind of centered around Christ's suffering. And although the physical suffering doesn't start in this passage, it will very shortly. But there's a lot of suffering that takes place emotionally or mentally in our lives. And as I've always said, and you've heard many times before, and it's true, Jesus Christ is our ultimate example. And when we watch Jesus Christ, especially in these final days of His fleshly existence, of His time on earth, we see Him go through so many different things that I feel like many of us can relate to. Now, we can't relate to the beatings and to the, the, the murder, but we can relate to other things that happen in this uh, this process leading up to the crucifixion and ultimately the victorious resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so this morning I want us to look at three things centered around Christ's suffering. And I believe it can be an encouragement to us today. Number one, I want us to look at the fact that Christ suffered alone. You say, well, that's not encouraging. No, it's not. We'll get to that in a second. Christ suffered alone. He comes here now. They head up to the Mount of Olives. And he heads out here and he makes an announcement to his apostles, to the twelve disciples that are with him. Uh, Well, at this point, eleven. Judas is not with them. He says in verse 27, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. And he says, uh, verse 28, well, we'll come back to verse 28 in a minute. Verse 29, Peter said, Uh, Although all shall be offended, although all these losers will be offended, I won't be. said, Christ, I'm going to stand with you. No matter what, even if it means dying, I'm with you. And the rest then, it says in verse uh, 31, Likewise also said they all. The rest of them finally got on board and go, No, we're with you too, Jesus. But Jesus says there in verse uh, uh, verse 30, excuse me, verse 27, They will be scattered that they will all be offended, that they will all abandon Him. If you know anything about the story, you know this is true. This happens. Actually, it happens in this story. Uh, It's not covered in Luke, or in Mark, excuse me, but it is covered, I believe, in Luke, covering the same story, that they all dispersed uh, here in just a few minutes. But He's saying to them, what I'm about to go through, I'm about to go through it all by Myself. I'm going to suffer, and I'm going to suffer alone. Oftentimes, suffering uh, is met with abandonment. And you think about Christ, His suffering, and who He suffered for abandoned Him, and still to this day often does as well. You see, Jesus going through the process of the arrest and the trial and the crucifixion, He was doing it all for not just somebody, but for a group of people. You see, Jesus Christ was dying. He was paying the ultimate price for sin for the world. The Bible tells us in John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So the reason why His Son, Jesus, came was because God so loved the world. So when Christ died, when Christ was beaten, when Christ was going through all of this, He was doing it for me. And He was doing it for you. And in this moment, those closest to Him abandoned Him. He was going to go through this alone. None of them were going to receive the beatings that He received. Some of them later on in life would. 
But in this moment, they were going to scatter. And I was thinking about this as I was reading through the passage, and I thought, you know, and I always try to give a little bit of leniency to the apostles, because a lot of times we'll be tough on Thomas because he doubted. We tough on Peter because he denied Christ and made mistakes and did different things. We'll be tough on these guys because they would argue about who was going to sit next to God. We do all these things and we were tough on them, but the reality is, is if I look at myself, I realize I'm a lot like these guys. As a matter of fact, I'd consider myself worse than these guys. And a lot of times we'll sit there and we'll be, we'll be harsh on these guys for how they responded to certain things, but the more I think about it and I thought, man, they're going to abandon Christ when they... When, in our minds, think it's when he needed them most. Now, he didn't. He was Jesus. But in his hardest moments on this earth, Jesus did it alone. And I think about all the suffering, and we'll talk about it in, in an upcoming sermon and talking about his crucifixion. But all the suffering that Christ did, and he did it for me, and how often do I abandon him? How often do I abandon Christ? even though he suffered for me. You know, the Bible says in Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's not a surprise to God that I'm a failure. It's not a surprise to God that I have moments in my life that I abandon him. That doesn't make it okay, but it's not a surprise. And as much as I want to, to look at these disciples and say, just a minute ago you were saying that you were going to stick with them no matter what, a few verses later we find out they dispersed, just as Christ said they would in verse 27. But you know what the truth is, is oftentimes I leave Christ to suffer alone also. But you know, Christ's suffering will unite. It says in verse 28, he says, But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. We will not look at it in this series, but after the resurrection of Christ, the apostles are together, right? The disciples are together in a room, and they are there, everybody but Thomas. You remember, and Christ appears unto them, and they're all in awe of this and, and, and talking uh, with him, and then he leaves, and then Thomas comes back, and he's like, that's not true, that didn't happen. And then Christ appears again in front of them and with Thomas and everything, a whole other story. But he's saying here in verse 27, uh, the, 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 the shepherd gets smitten, and the sheep scatter. But after I am risen, we're all going to come back together. You see, Christ's suffering unites people. As a matter of fact, we're united this morning because of Christ's suffering. Had Christ not suffered, none of us would be here. There'd be no reason for us to be here. But His suffering unites us together. We see in this passage, Peter, his confidence here as a good reminder for us as well that our confidence in ourselves will oftentimes lead to embarrassment. I know people who like to suffer. I know that sounds weird, but maybe you know people like that too. They like to suffer because they like the attention that it brings. And so they'll, they'll whatever it is, they're always suffering. No matter when you talk to them, they're always suffering. Something going through something. And listen, some people's lives are really rough. I'm not, I'm not minimizing that. But you, maybe, maybe, maybe you haven't. I've been around a lot of people in my life, and I've seen this uh, from numerous people. They like to suffer. I don't think Peter liked to suffer. I believe that Peter truly believed that he was strong in his faith, that he was strong in his friendship and his love for Jesus, 
that he was going to be able to stand his ground no matter what. And we'll look at Peter more in a moment. He by far stood out among the other 11 that were there, or the other 10 that were there. But we see here, Peter, his confidence here was not in Christ. His confidence was in himself. Christ said, I'm about to suffer, and I'm going to suffer alone. And Peter said, no, you're not. I'm going to be right there with you. <laughs> it's going to lead to some major embarrassment for Peter. I think it's important for us to remember that when we're talking about, uh, and again, in America, we don't, we don't experience suffering for our Christianity. And no matter what you want to say, I promise you, we don't. I'm not saying that we don't have any hardships, but it's not, it's not suffering. That being said, a lot of times we get this confidence in ourselves. No, I'm spiritual enough. No, I'm faithful enough. No, I'm smart enough. No, I'm educated enough. No, I'm whatever enough that I can stand no matter what. Well, what happens if something crazy happens and all of a sudden it's not legal to stand for God anymore? Is Christ going to suffer alone? Will you scatter? Or will you still stand? And it's easy for us to say, I'm going to stand. But if your confidence in standing is in yourself, you're going to fall. You're going to scatter. Just like Peter did. That's why it's so important that our confidence is in the one who suffered alone, Jesus Christ. By God's grace and with God's help, I will stand. You see, we get overconfident sometimes in ourselves when we shouldn't be. But I think it's also good for us to notice that even though Christ suffered alone, he did so that, so that we don't have to. If we go through suffering, if we go through persecution, if we go through trials because of our faith, we don't have to suffer alone because Christ already did. Now we have a help. Now we have a confidence. Now we have a, a solid ground to stand on because of what Christ did for us in suffering alone. We'll look at that more in the coming weeks. Number two, I want us to see this morning that Christ suffered in part for an example to us. Uh, and I say in part because obviously Christ's ultimate suffering was, was for far more than an example. It was to pay the price of sin. It was to become victorious over death, over Satan, and over sin. But... Christ also, I believe here, set a, in a great example for us. Look in verse 32. We're going to read more of the story now. It says, And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he saith to his disciples, Sit here uh, while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John, and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. And he saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping. And he said unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldst thou not watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready but the flesh is weak. We see here Christ now. He comes to the Garden of Gethsemane. And the Bible tells us He is uh, very heavy, sore amazed, very heavy, and exceeding sorrowful. He has a lot of pressure on Him. There is a weight on Him right now, a burden 
that is on him. And the example that Christ sets for us, first of all, is that prayer on the onset of burden. Oftentimes, we tend to wait till the burden is so heavy, we tend to wait until it's not too late for God, but until it's so late in the process of the burden, of the worry, of the care, of the concern, of the stress, then we finally go to God. But Christ sets the example for us to go to prayer at the onset of the burden. In verse 32 and verse 33, he came, he asked everyone to sit here while I pray. He takes three guys with him, Peter, James, and John, and he asks them in verse 34, tarry ye here and watch. Not only did he pray at the onset of the burden, but he took friends with him and brought them in on the burden. He's about to suffer alone, but he, he was willing to ask others to watch and to pray. You see, God has given us a family. Not just our family in our homes, but as Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, who are demanded by God to carry one another's burdens. The problem is, is no one knows it until you tell them. I've met so many people who are embarrassed to share a prayer need, going through something they're holding inside, they don't want anybody to know about it. And when they finally come out and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Pastor, would you put me on the prayer list? Pastor, would you tell someone? Or would you just pray with me? Whatever it is, all of a sudden there's more people praying, all of a sudden there's more compassion going out, all of a sudden there is more people to carry the burden together and lighten the load of the one who is weighted down. Not only should we pray at the beginning of the burden, we should ask others to pray with us. Bring others in on it. So here's what I'm going through. And I understand some things are super personal. I get that. And in some cases we can be vague and say, I need your help. I need you to pray for me. I'm going through something. Don't really want to explain it to you. But it's a heavy burden on me and I need your, I need your prayer. It's so important that we use the resources that God gives us. And by that I mean not just God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, going directly to God in prayer. We ought to be doing that on our own. But when we have a burden, let's ask other people to pray with us. Let's get more voices going up to heaven. Not only that, another example that Christ shows us in our suffering is that God's will is not always easy. Sometimes God's going to tell us to do something and it's something that we don't want to do or it's something that's going to be incredibly hard. I'm amazed by the fact that Jesus Christ, He came, He set so many examples for us, didn't He? First of all, he, the way He was brought into this world, He was born in a, uh, and laid in a manger. Uh, and of course, they didn't necessarily have hospitals back then, but His birth was of a lowly estate. He humbled Himself, took on flesh. He was born to a common family, Joseph and Mary, a carpenter. He was raised simply. Then on that, we see him come through life and all the different things that he does through life, how he treats people, how he loves sinners, how he was willing to, to eat with the filthy, how he just loved people that were needy. He didn't hang out with the religious leaders. There were times where they were in the same building and conversed, but that's not who Jesus was spending his time with on this earth. Now, I'm not saying don't ever spend time with me. Please, I like friendship. 
Uh, but God wasn't saying, my focus is on these spiritual people. No, it's on those that are in need. And he focused his times on the neighbors in need, and he did that, and he showed us an example of how to love our neighbor. He showed us how to handle uh, things when people came after us through his example. He showed us how to teach, invest in people. He took a small group of people, 12, and he devoted so much time and energy into these 12 men. It didn't mean he ignored everybody else. We know that, right? He had great friends in different parts of the, the world as he traveled and he stayed with people and knew people and, and became great friends with people. All that happened, but he had invested just deeply into a small group of people. There was so much that God is an example for us, but this one to me is one of the most interesting ones. We see, I think, temptation is one as well, the way that Christ handled temptation. But now we see him in the garden, and he's praying to God, and he says in verse number 36, well, let's look in verse 35, he went forward a little, and fell on the ground. In almost every other situation, I didn't research it all out, in almost every other situation you see Christ praying, he is looking to heaven. But in this case, he falls on his face on the ground, and he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him, and he said, Abba, Father... All things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me, nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. I've heard varying opinions on exactly what this prayer meant. I do not believe that Jesus was asking to get out of saving the world. But I believe that Christ understood the weight he was about to put on him, not the physical pain, but the weight of the sins of the world that he was about to carry. And he says there in verse 36, not what I will, but what thou wilt. You see, God's will oftentimes is not easy. What has God asked you to do? <laughs> He's asked you to be... Um, a good child, obedient to your parents. He's asked you to be a good spouse. He's asked you to be a good parent. He's asked you to be a good citizen. He's asked you to be a good church member. He's asked you to be a good worker. He's asked you to read your Bible, to learn more, to grow in knowledge. He's asked you to take your prayers to Him. He's asked you to be faithful to the things that He's told you to do. That's pretty simple, right? It really is. <laughs> but there are times where God says, I want you to do this. And we say, but God, that doesn't make sense. But God, if I do that, then this is going to get really difficult. I still, and I know I use this example a lot, but I think of missionaries especially those that already have families or spend holidays with the grandparents. And God says, I want you to sell your home. I want you to go to this country, learn this language, start a church and train people everything that I've already taught you. 
and I just think to myself, how hard is that? That's not easy. I think of John and Katie in Slovenia. They were on deputation raising support when we started the church in 2014. They were on deputation before that. They've been over in Slovenia on the field now for five or six years. When they got over there, they, they dove into the language. I mean, just learning it as best they could. And they planned on starting a church two years after being there. And it's just not the way that God had it planned. And now, five, I think it's six years that they've been there. They get the church started just in time for a pandemic to hit and the country of Slovenia to shut everything down. Man, that's, that's frustrating. It's not easy. Many people would say, you know what? I'm done. But they're not. Why? Because God's will is not always easy. And if we're going to commit and do God's will, we're going to stick through it no matter if it's easy or hard. We're just going to trust God to help us. We're going to trust that his timing is best, that his way is best. And we're going to follow through with it just as Jesus himself did. He was about to be beaten for my transgressions and bruised for my iniquities. He was about to be spit on, slapped, beard pulled out, thorns crushed into his head. A cat of nine tails whip slashed around his body. But I don't think that's what he was most thinking of. He was about to take my sins, every single one that I have committed and that I will commit, and place it on himself. Think about that. Do you ever remember a time in your life where you had sin in your life and just the weight it laid on you, that one thing? Now take all of it, not just for you, but of the whole world. Man, that weight. And Jesus did that. He did it for me. God's will's not easy. But as Christ is my example, no matter what God tells me to do, I'm going to do it. Because if he could do it all the way to death, obedient to the death of the cross, well, I should be able to do it, obedient to the life that God's given me. Christ suffered in part for an example. Christ suffered alone. Lastly, this morning, I want us to see that Christ suffered at the hand of someone he invested in. I talked about it just a moment ago Christ took 12 men, and he just, just put so much time and energy into these guys. If you look back at some of the conversations these guys had, boy, were they petty. Uh, man, there was some silly stuff that they talked about, fought about, argued about. Man, there were times where they would argue amongst each other. There were times where they'd come back and say, God, this person's over here doing something great, but he's not doing it with us. God says, I don't care. <laughs> he's not against us that he's with us. You got guys that were fishermen, so you know they stank. Uh, you had guys who were tax collectors, so you know they were evil. Uh, you had all these different people 
But God took them, Christ took them, these 12, and he invested them. And then we see one of them, Judas, the one that betrays Jesus. Look down in verse number 43. And immediately while he yet spake cometh Judas, one of the twelve. And with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. You know what? When you invest in people, there will be some people who will not suffer with you. There are going to be people that you have invested in and when push comes to shove, they're going to leave. As a matter of fact, they may even do more than that. They may come back to hurt you. And that's hard. I'm telling you, it is hard when you invest time into a person and then all of a sudden they're gone or worse, they hurt you. Yet that's exactly what happened here with Judas. It says in verse 45, And as soon as he was come, he goes straightway to him, saith, Master, Master, and kissed him. And they laid their hands on him and they took him. Judas. Now listen, again, this didn't surprise Christ, but it oftentimes surprises us, doesn't it? When we've put time and energy into someone and the next thing you know they're hurting you, you're saying, why? But I I did so much. I I loved. I sacrificed. I, I gave. I invested. And you look back and you think, man, all that time could have been spent on someone who would have been grateful for it. But you can't get that time back. Christ invested heavily into Judas, yet he was the one that that came back and betrayed him. But also we see that some will stand and fight with you as well. Would you turn to Luke? Uh, This this story is covered in all the Gospels and slightly uh, different details in each of the Gospels. Uh, Go to Luke 22. And just to make sure I say that clearly, it's not that the story is different. There's just more details in some of the passages than the other passages as well. It's the same story uh, nonetheless. Luke 22, look down in verse number, um, let's start in verse 47, then we'll get there. And while he yet spake, behold, a multitude, and he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? When they which were about him saw what uh, would follow, they said unto him, Lord, shall we smite with the sword? This is the apostles. Those that were about to spread, they said, you want us to fight? Verse 50, and one of them, we know this to be Peter, and the book of John tells us this, and one of them smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. He took out a sword, sliced off the dude's ear. (laughs) It's crazy. Verse 51, and Jesus answered and said, Suffer ye thus far. Stop, that's enough. And he touched his ear and healed him. All right, there's a lot to unpack here. The point, by the way, that I'm trying to make, but I love the whole story, is those that you invest in, some will hurt you, but some will stand with you as well. You remember Peter said, If I have to die, so be it. And God says, No, you're going to, you're going to forsake me before this night is done. But at this point, Peter still stood with Jesus. He took out a sword. He cut off the ear of one of the priests that were there with the group of Judas to arrest Jesus. 
And Christ said, that's enough. He picks up the guy's ear and heals the guy. And yet still the group hauls him off. Can you believe this? The anger that's here? That's all another point, another day, another time. But Christ suffered. He did it at the hand of someone he invested in, but he also had those who he invested in that fought with him. Yes, they would eventually spread. Yes, they would eventually run. But to be honest with you, they didn't have much of a choice in that. His prophecy was being fulfilled. And I tell you all this to remind you that Christ is an example to us. He doesn't say you only invest in those who will stand and fight with you. He says you invest in those in whom you can invest in. Some of them will hurt you. I think of the, uh, uh, the military man, and I, uh, now I'm going to say the wrong name, so I won't even say a name, but he had, uh, he had fought bravely for our country. He was back home, and he was investing in other veterans, helping them with PTSD and getting through the different things. And one of the men he was helping eventually killed him. You see, just because you're investing in someone doesn't mean they're always going to appreciate it. It doesn't mean they're always going to come out the other end the way you think they should. That shouldn't stop us from the investment. A lot of times a Christian will invest in someone and that person will hurt them or just abandon them. And they'll say, you know what, I'm not going to waste time on anybody else. But you see, if we love our neighbor the way that Christ loved his neighbor, it's not going to stop us. Because you know what? Christ loved Judas. And he didn't just love him until he betrayed him. He loved him after that, too. Christ loved Judas. Judas betrayed him. Christ loved Peter. Peter cut off a guy's ear for him. Find you someone that will cut off someone's ear. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. But understand that Christ is an example to us, and, and even though he suffered with, at the hand of someone who he invested in, he still invested, and he still loved them. We are naturally hurt, and when we are hurt, we are naturally um, kind of turned off. A lot of times, something will happen, and whatever it is that hurts, you hear it all the time with church, Right? You'll meet people, hey, what church do you go to? Oh, I don't go to church anymore. I grew up in church, but this thing happened, or this thing happened, or this person did this, or whatever, and I was just, you know, I just don't go to church anymore. That pain causes us to turn off. The saddest thing is, and that is very sad, but the saddest thing is, is when someone who is obeying God, loving people, gets hurt, and they say, you know what, I'm done. And all I say is, well, look at the example that Christ gave us. Jesus Christ was 100% man and 100% God. At any time, at any time, he could have said, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. He didn't have to die. Now, he had to die in order for my sins to be forgiven, but if he decided to not care about me anymore, he wouldn't have had to have died. When Judas betrayed him, if he would have said like many of us would have done, that's it. <laughs> if the people I'm going to put all this time into abandon me, hurt me, betray me, 
I can't do that again. He was about to be marched into an unfair trial, to be crucified in front of a large crowd who just days before were chanting Hosanna. They were going to be chanting crucify him. He knew it was coming. And he did it anyways. And that's the example that he set for us. Christ suffered alone so that you and I don't have to. Christ suffered in part as an example for us to know how to handle suffering, to pray about it at the onset of the burden, to bring others in on the burden and ask them to pray for us as well. And Christ suffered at the hand of someone he invested in, yet he still continued to invest and he still continued to serve what God told him to do. It should be an example to us all. Lord, I pray for your help. I pray that you'd help us to follow your word and God, that you would help us to follow the example that you set for us because God, you have shown us everything. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to follow your example to, to uh, commit to doing what you've told us to do. Lord, I pray that you would help us to know that you suffered and you suffered alone so that we did not have to suffer alone, so that we had someone in our time of suffering. And Lord, I know that a lot of times uh, we abandon you even though you suffered for us. So God, I pray that you'd help us to be firm and obedient to you. God, I pray that you would help us to unite together because of your suffering. Lord, I pray that you would use your example and God in our burdens and our hardships that, God, we would immediately take it to you. And, Lord, that we would share our burdens with others so they could pray with us as well. Lord, I know that your will is not always easy, but I pray again that we'd follow your example and just do your will no matter what. And, God, I pray that you'd help us as our theme this year is to love our neighbor. In order to love them, we're going to have to invest in them, and yet there will be some that we invest in that are going to either hurt or abandon us. And God, I pray that you'd help us to keep investing. Lord, that we would just go on to the next person. Lord, that we would stay faithful to doing what you've set for us to do. And God, we know that in our obedience, Lord, you will bless. So Lord, we seek that today. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to ask a couple questions. First of all, this morning, I want to ask, right now, have you abandoned Jesus? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand today, but Jesus suffered for you. Have you abandoned him? You said, well, it's, you know, I don't really want to do this. I don't really want to obey this way. I don't really want to follow him in this way. But he suffered for you. Don't abandon him. Come back if you have. Secondly, I want to ask, are you burdened today? If you are, would you take it to God in prayer? Let Him take that burden for you. And may I encourage you to ask someone else to pray as well for you and with you in that burden. And lastly, I just want to encourage you to love your neighbor no matter what. Invest in people. And no matter if they stray, no matter if they abandon, no matter if they hurt, would you just keep on with the next neighbor? That's what Christ did, and that's what we should do too. Maybe today you need to let go of some hurt. Maybe today God's spoken to you about a hurt in your life that you've yet forgiven, that you've let, yet to let go of. Would you do that this morning so that you can invest and love people the way God wants you to? 
now is the time. Would you stand with me, please, if you're able? The piano's going to play. I'm going to be quiet. You're welcome. If you want to come to the front and kneel and pray, you can. If you want to stay at your seat, that's fine as well. If you want someone to pray with you, why don't you just come and ask? I'd be happy to do it this morning. The piano plays. The invitation is open.